welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Miranda Sam of Shortlisted. So welcome to the show, Miranda. Thanks so much for having me, Allison. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, definitely. Um, So my name is Miranda, and I'm working on a a startup called Shortlisted. It's a responsible clothing line for short bodies. I used to work in the fashion industry in various roles, so in marketing, retail management, media. Um, So I've had like a really longstanding relationship with fashion, um, but always on the outskirts. So I decided to finally like pursue my dreams and kind of go for it and really understand the product itself because with marketing communications and retail sales, it's all kind of like on the periphery. So I really Mm -hmm. want to challenge myself to really dive deep and really understand um, uh, the clothing product itself, how it's constructed, how patterns are drafted. So right now I'm taking a course and it's actually ending pretty soon. I'm going to be starting pattern drafting soon to um, start to like develop my own products, which basically I'm going backwards. I decide to um, start a business in fashion and then now I'm learning the process and the craft. So yeah, it's it's a little (laughs) bit backwards. Um, But yeah, it's for short women because like for me living in a world that's really meant for tall people, it's not... It's not something that I questioned growing up, like in fashion campaigns, you always see really tall, leggy, really pale skinned models. And you just assumed that was the norm. And it wasn't until I finally decided to start a clothing brand that I was like, okay, what do I really want to do? What do I want to make it for? Like, how can I stand out? And it was like literally staring myself in the face like in the mirror Mm -hmm. and to see that oh because short women are actually the average height like why isn't the industry more focused on us so that's how I came to working on my brand wow yeah so it seems like you have like you said this background in other areas of fashion and so was it really like wanting to understand more of the process of directly making the product that made you want to start a brand or like what kind of inspired you to start a brand of your own it's some I wanted to start a brand of my own like it's been something I want to do since I was very young but something that I've always kind of put off with I remember Mm. the first time I worked in fashion the the owner asked me, what are your five-year goals? And I said like, oh, I'd like to start my own brand five years from now. And so I kind of put off with that five years going by and then another five years and another five years. (laughs) And really it was the pandemic, I think, that really accelerated the decision process. Mm -hmm. So I think like a lot of people, when the pandemic hit, you really had to look at what you are really meant to do or what you really want to do. Life is short. So that really pushed me to jump into this. And with your regards to your question of like, why I decided to um, kind of dive into the technical aspect, um, there, it's for a variety of reasons as well. I've always wanted to deepen that relationship I have with fashion. Um, I'm not sure about yourself because you do the technical aspect, but mm-hmm. because I was on the more like 
what you would think is the more glitzy glamour side the marketing like going to watch mm-hmm. fashion shows as a blogger and things like that um you often get seen as superficial like mm-hmm. you're just kind of in it for the looks and um that affected me like that affected my self-esteem and all that and I just really wanted to challenge that that I'm really in it for the long term um there's a lot of things that I've toyed around with like a lot of ideas and businesses but when it comes down to it like this is the thing that keeps calling at me keeps tugging at my sleeves like hey look (laughs) I'm like it's still around and um there's other opportunities that you haven't really explored yet so that's why I wanted to do it and also um when you're when you don't have the technical aspect, it's really hard to communicate. So I've worked with a few different pattern drafters. And um, when they asked you, do you want like this seam or that seam? Like, how do you want the closures? Like very technical things. Like I just didn't know. And I I felt like I was really at a loss of words and I was like super ignorant <laughs> with all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just really want to be able to communicate to professionals in the industry at the very least. Gotcha. Yeah, those are all great points. And um, I kind of want to dig into more what you said of like the stereotype or like the self-esteem that came along with being in a like quote unquote superfluous, you know, frivolous industry. Because yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I see that a lot. And I mean, I am on more of the technical end, but still, you know, when you say like, oh, I work in fashion, everyone's like, oh, I watch Project Runway. You know, yeah. like that's, that's what <laughs> yes. everybody's like view of fashion is. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, like, yeah, that's like sewing and this creativity. And like, it's amazing how they make that stuff so fast. But also like, that's not really what it's like working in the fashion industry for like your day job. So yeah, there's this disconnect. And so what kind of brought you into the fashion roles you had in the first place? And then like, were there any other things other than kind of the stereotype of being frivolous that felt lacking in the relationship with the fashion industry that you had? So I've always had a very complex relationship with fashion. Um, You know, growing up, there's a lot of like self-esteem issues and things like that. And like I said, it's Mm -hmm. not something that you really question because you're you're told that a certain look is what's ideal. So, you know, growing up in the Victoria's Secret and Abercrombie and Fitch era, mm-hmm. right? I haven't watched the new documentary yet, but I've, I've, kind of, I've seen a lot of like conversations kind of happening around that right now. Oh, which one is the Victoria's Secret one? I haven't either, but I have watched the Abercrombie and Fitch one. That was, the guy who was doing the marketing is genius, but you know, <laughs> a little crazy too. Um, so yeah, yeah, it did take me a while to um, kind of, think about what the like what the real needs are of different groups out there rather than just the industry standard and Mm -hmm. um sorry I I don't remember your question (laughs) you'd have to uh, edit this as well (laughs) no just that um like was there anything else that you felt was like off or lacking in the relationship you had with fashion that kind of made you want to like discover something different um I think it's just a lifetime of going into change rooms and like things just not fitting. Like the physical aspect of not fitting is one thing, you know, clearly um, when your short hems are too long, 
the V's and V-necks are usually too low and I can't wear those, mm-hmm. um, like torso length and mm-hmm. like the width of shoulders, like all these little things where people tell you, oh, you can just get it hemmed or you can just shop in the kids section. It's really not a solution. Um, mm-hmm. So that's like one part of it. And then like the internally, like how you feel about yourself. Like if you never questioned this to begin with, like prior to all these um, media discussions about body inclusivity, like we really didn't point this out as an issue. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even now, I think it's a lot better. Like you see big brands like Old Navy changing their campaigns and their product lines to include plus size models mm-hmm. but it's usually just a certain type of plus size model like they're still very hourglass and curvy right so mm-hmm. that's one thing and tall generally and still tall yeah and so um for short women like myself like we're not even including the campaigns we don't have any um you know celebrities who are mega like like megaphones and to like Um, to advocates really right to help Mm -hmm. speak out about like heightism in the industry like everyone just kind of ignores it hides it Um, so literally like short women are overlooked and I think that's one thing I really want to um, a problem that I really want to solve because it clothes are one thing but also how you feel about yourself and how far you can get ahead in life like there are stats that say that like for every inch shorter you are than average, you lose out on $789 a year. So over the course of a lifetime, it's like over $100,000 that you lose and then minus the promotions and minus all these things. So there are real economic costs and telling a woman to go get their clothes hemmed, it takes time, it takes money, it takes Mm -hmm. energy to get it done, right? So there are all these hidden costs and that these are all things that I want to be able to provide solutions to. I didn't know some of those statistics. I'm also short. I'm 5'3", barely. (laughs) So (laughs) I totally get the, you know, just shop in the kids section or like literally whatever brand has the smallest size, like smallest, (laughs) shortest size. Like that's generally the size that I buy, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a challenge to find yeah and I find that with a lot of um like what people call themselves like petite style influencers um what ends up happening is that like the content they produce it's not so much about like oh these are all these different brands because there aren't all these different brands that Mm -hmm. cater even though we're the average um it's like oh there's like like you said there's just like one style in this brand that works so let's all go grab the style or these Mm -hmm. are ways to make ourselves look taller which really isn't the goal either like that still plays into a big heightism issue where you still Mm -hmm. feel like being taller is better more authoritative you deserve more power and respect like Mm -hmm. wear taller heels yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah that's so interesting and i i've seen that stereotype too of the first impression people have of me, like, I'm small, I'm short, I'm kind of quiet, like, more introverted person, mm-hmm. so everyone's like, oh, you know, cute and sweet, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> well, that's not necessarily, like, the people who know me well would not necessarily, like, go to those adjectives as the first thing yeah. about me, but, like, the yeah, the first impression of being, like, a small person is not a very, yeah, authoritative one. 
Um, yeah, so I love that you're focusing on the perception of being short and how to, you know, fix that. Or not even, not even, like, fix the perception rather than trying to fix the shortness. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. So why did you decide to learn how to sew first rather than jumping into, like, a design class or a business class? Like, there's, you know, it's like starting a brand and getting more into the design and development side of fashion from more of, a, like, a marketing and retail side. Um there's lots of things you could do, right? So um, I think it's like really unique that you decided to learn how to sew. So what kind of prompted that decision? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started off the brand thinking about all these things, right? Like all these brand values, things, the change I want to bring into the world, how I will do that through narrative and storytelling and branding and marketing, um, mm -hmm. because this is my background and mm -hmm. it's what my, I'm comfortable with. So I like to live in the world of ideas and words and thoughts. Um, so I had like the brand kind of loosely mapped out. But when it came to like actually designing and doing and getting someone to help bring this vision to life, it became a lot harder. And I felt like the things I wanted to do, I was kind of like missing an arm for like I kept wanting to do, reach for something, but I couldn't because that arm wasn't there. And so like, it was a muscle that I had to grow. Like I'm not a technical person at all, but mm. approaching this with an open mindset and like learning the aspects of sewing, um, it's really opened up my eyes of how things are constructed like I'm not a pro by any means like I just want to get to the point where I am able to create my own samples mm -hmm. and have them made right but like to have that creative control from concept to creation like that's really important to me as well which I didn't really realize at the beginning but now I'm like yeah okay maybe you're a bit more of a control freak than you <laughs> thought you were um, but I think it's really important too um, to understand what you're selling because with the internet like it's so easy to just hire out all the different parts like we're such a global system and you can mm -hmm. get someone from Idaho to do something and then send it to Asia and get it like made um, but I think for certain brands especially ones that are um, digitally native you can tell when a product hasn't really been thought through mm -hmm. and like there's just something about it that's missing. Like there's that design aspect. Um, so I, it's not like I'm not doing the design part. I think it comes with a pattern drafting part um, that I will be um, taking on soon enough in a couple of weeks. But it's really just important to learn the basic, like kind of like doing all the grunt work. And it's important for me to know my product inside and out. So I know exactly what I'm offering. Like in mm -hmm. class, I see other designers of brands come through as well and they're learning but just a very basic like six classes and then they're kind of out the door um but when I hear them talk about when my instructor asks like oh well why did you decide to go with that why didn't you do a cargo pocket instead they're like oh I don't know like the person that we hired just decided like it's mm -hmm. if you don't have that like strong connection to your product and have a strong reason why you're doing something um I don't feel that the world needs more product for the sake of it like we're already so mm -hmm. inundated with product like there are some stats out there that say that 
you know, from, I don't know, the last few decades, our production levels have doubled, but then the, how often we wear the clothing items is 30% less now. So I think it's more important that we create things that have a lot more like long lasting effects rather mm -hmm. than more product for the sake of it. So like starting from the very basics of sewing and constructing a garment and understanding what the different seams are. So now it can tell you like what a flat fell seam is, like what a French seam is, like identify mm -hmm. these things. And so when someone talks to me and like the pattern maker asks me, I'm like, yes, I know exactly what I want. <laughs> As a pattern maker, <laughs> that's so helpful. Um, like many of the brands I work with are, are not technical, which is fine. And I totally love being able to help brands translate their creative vision into something like practical and, and like figure out how to make it um, in real life. But it is nice to have just a little background or at least understanding mm -hmm. for that back and forth of like, you know, talking about price versus quality and, you know, sometimes choosing one construction or an, over another for, you know, one reason or another um, and being able to kind of be informed enough about how garments are made to be able to, you know, spot levels of quality and, um, you know, decide, you know, when presented with different seam options or different finishing options, like which one you want and, and have confidence that you know, like, why you made that decision, not just like, yes. uh, this one looked pretty, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, sewing can be I feel like some their designers kind of come in two categories. Um, the ones who love to sew and make things and the ones who never want to touch a sewing machine ever and just want to design things. And I, I think personally knowing how to sew makes you a better designer or at least better in terms of um, for making a commercial product that you actually want to get manufactured. Yeah, 100%. It makes you a better designer. Yeah. And even more creative, too, because it's like you know what the constraints are, so you're able yes. to kind of design within those and use use that to your advantage rather than kind of reverse engineering, like, this is pretty, but how the heck do I make <laughs> yeah. it, you know? Yeah, I think there's value in designers that are, like, out there. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, I totally agree with you. Like you kind of need to know how you're going to engineer a really cool concept into real life, like in 3D form that actually works and fits and doesn't fall apart after mm -hmm. like a month of wear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how has um, knowing how to construct your own garments kind of changed the way that you see clothes or, you know, even approach have you have you started like designing your collection for shortlisted yet or are you kind of doing all these technical learning first i have sketches here and there but this program has been so intensive that i've barely had time to do anything like it's hard for me to update social media send out email newsletter updates like all i am mm. is going to class coming home sitting at the sewing machine till 2 a.m and trying yeah. to get like everything right trying to get like fully lined blazer sewn um mm. and then that's not quick even if you're a fast sewer mm -mm. <laughs> yeah 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 so it's it's a lot of work and like I said I'm not like technical skills hands-on skills aren't my like 
forte. So it takes me like extra long to learn things, especially when you're flipping things inside out and you're sewing things like, Mm -hmm. well, how it's going to affect the garment. Like if it's the right side out, like that is always kind of like a, like it blows my mind how things work. (laughs) Yeah. And some of that will come more with practice too. And like, if you aren't naturally a like spatial learner or like, can visualize things in 3D because yes. it's essentially like those like uh, questions are like an IQ test where it's like this is a flat piece of thing like which side's going to be on top when you assemble the box <laughs> you know like it's it's kind of like one of those things putting the puzzle together. Um, oh, um, and to answer your question, um, how I see things differently now. Yeah. Yes. Um, before I used to see fashion with like this capital F, right? Like, oh, it's this big mysterious thing like the system and I like it's so awesome but like you know I won't ever really have a big part in it and I'm just going to be a consumer so I was very intimidated by the whole fashion world but now that Mm -hmm. I can break things down and the way that I was taught how to sew um we were I was taught like in the way that the order of construction so like first you do all your darts and tucks and all that Mm -hmm. and then you do your pockets so I didn't learn, you learn like all the pockets, all the zippers, all the like neckline plackets all at once. So mm-hmm. you kind of understand like, okay, these are like the eight different types of zippers. So when I walk into a store now, like it's very different when I see things, like I don't get scared, like, oh, I will never be able to like create a product. I look at it and like, just kind of break it down. Like, oh, that's just a um, straight waistband. And those are, you know, patch pockets. And that's just a regular gene hem. Oh, I can do this. Like, I might not remember mm-hmm. how to do it right away, but I can put the pieces together. And so it's really taking that mystery out of fashion. And even when I think of the word fashion now, I don't think of it as this big mysterious thing and like as an ad, as a noun. I think of it more as an adjective of like fashioning mm-hmm. things together. So mm-hmm. like, I even think like, you know, a welder is fashioning sheet metal into different, you know, car parts, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. taking materials and then making it into something. So it's become a lot more like every day that I see that. So I think it's been a good thing for me. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool that it's like made you more like noticing more of the details and being able to break up a design and, and see like what the pieces are of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, I learned, I like kind of grew up sewing, so I feel like I didn't really have that realization like of like before I knew how to sew and after I knew how to sew because it's kind of been like a lifelong progression of sewing for me. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, which is, which I I'm glad I have, but it's it I feel like I have a different perspective, of, and I love to hear kind of yours as like before I knew how to sew and now that I know how to do it. Um, a little bit more compressed of a timeline to see the before and after. So that's really cool. Um, so what has been your favorite garment to make so far in your classes? It seems like your classes are really industry sewing focused too. Oh yeah, it's it's very industry focused. Um, my instructor will, like basically went as this thinking like, oh, I have some sewing skill so I just want to jump into the pattern drafting the reason why I'm doing this entire sewing program is because he's like well who's going to sew your garments after you draft the patterns mm-hmm. and do you know all these different things I'm like uh no so even little things like how to 
like unpick stitches, mm -hmm. like the fast way you do it or the fast way to put in an invisible zipper. I had no idea, like the most basic things. So that's really opened up my eyes. Um, as for my favorite thing that I've made, um, I'm, I guess the proudest thing that I've made is that fully lined blazer. Like it nice. just baffles my mind how you have to turn a blazer inside out and like the way that you put in a sleeve, it gets all twisted and things yeah. you <laughs> that walk into a store. How to pack the lining so that when you flip it all right side out, it's it's correct. <laughs> yeah. And at that I mean, before I took this class, I'd walk into a store and just kind of wonder, like, how how do you do this, right? Like, how does this make sense? How does this like just magically appear so perfect and lined and everything? And then when mm -hmm. you do it, you're like, oh, this is actually really weird. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. I've sewn myself into loops before, like, in terms of sewn, you know, when, every, when everything's inside out, sewn too many things and then realized, oh, I can't actually turn it right like right side oh, no. out again, <laughs> you know, because sometimes it, it takes some thinking through, right, to figure out what order, because sometimes you have to like sew one piece inside out and then turn it like part way the right way again and then sew another piece and then continue turning, like you can't sometimes yeah. do all the edges at once, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sewing a sleeve, you have to sew like the very, like the smallest part first, like about an inch or so, and then you, you turn it up out and then you have to like go all the way around. Like mm -hmm. that was, yeah, that was tricky. Mm -hmm. So fun. So the blazer, um, that's definitely a garment to be proud of when you make one of those. <laughs> yes. um, so have there been any kind of like unexpected challenges or things that you were surprised by as you're learning to sew? I think every time I'm surprised because I think, oh, it's so easy. Like it just took him 10 minutes to do in class. And I did this thing, like I did three things in class and class is three hours long. So it should take me the same amount of time when you get home. But when you don't have an instructor sitting next to you to really troubleshoot, you have to do all the troubleshooting at home yourself and that's where the real learning kicks in and when you're kind of doing your own personal projects so I feel mm -hmm. like I'm always being surprised at how things are put together and until I really have a good grasp and recall of you know the order of instruction and mm -hmm. just how things work I will still really be baffled like every single time <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it comes with it comes with practice, like you said. Like the more you do it, and then you'll like remember. Here's the order that everything gets sewn yeah. in. Yeah, I'm that way with uh, every time I I like I sew clothing so often, so that goes fast. But then when I'm like sewing a bag or something like that, a backpack, um, on occasion I'm like, you know what? I'll, I can make myself a backpack. It's mostly rectangles, right? <laughs> and then it it like the order of how things need to be sewn is just you know it's not clothing so oh. then then I really have to think it through like you said and it's like what order do I sew this so that I don't like I can reach all the places and get it done in the right order so it's always more comp that's what always trips me up is when ah, I try to sew things that I think are easy <laughs> rectangles and squares but aren't clothing so with shortlisted and you know you're planning to start this brand you talked about this a little bit, but like, who is the women, the woman that you'll be 
designing for with shortlisting? I think with my customer question, I feel like because I just want to scratch my own itch, like it'll be someone similar to the situation that um, I'm in. So I really want to help women who are kind of like in their, probably in their later 20s or early 30s in that time frame where after you have kids or, you know, like your metabolism slows down after a certain age and, um, you know, clothes just seem like trendy clothes just seem too tight. And it's either mm-hmm. that or things are really like oversized. Um, I want to make clothes for women who like, you know, weight fluctuations are a real thing. So things mm-hmm. that aren't too tight that allow for, um, for weight to fluctuate, whether it's like, you know, after a meal or the time of the month or after like big life changes, like being pregnant or, um, after you give birth, right. There's Mm -hmm. your body is always constantly changing. So those are the women that I want to cater to because the fashion industry is so geared towards youth culture, right? Like it's now we're, we're talking about Gen Z all the time. Um, Mm And the cool things are doing with thrifting and the resale and all these things. But I feel like after a certain age of uh, like, once you're past what we think of as youth, then you're not as catered towards. And like the older you get, then there's like fewer fin fear brands. So um, I ran into this problem, like probably at least like five years ago where I just couldn't find clothes that were not super tight or short or low cut, um, but I still wanted to look good. And I feel like I'm not the only person out there, um, you know, women who have a career or they're, or they're stay-at-home moms, um, but they still want to look good. And so I want to build comfort into those kind of looks and make sure that the pieces are well-made and have longevity. And they, they have a timeless sort of look. It won't last forever, like nothing really lasts forever but it lasts you many, many years. So women who are looking for more of an investment piece and they're tired of fast fashion and they really want to do something different and um, either support local organic and they have these kind of values. So these are the women that I'm looking to cater to. I like that you're like so clear about that. Um, that's that's so helpful from design and development and the, you know, marketing and all those aspects of to really be able to speak to a specific a specific woman that you're making clothes for. Um, so you mentioned values too. So I'm curious, like, how do your values affect how you are, you know, running shortlisted and how you plan to design for these women? Yeah, I have a few values for the brand and I guess they, they're more like, um, well, okay. So longevity is a big thing for me. Like I want to make sure that quality and like the lifespan of a garment. So I, I don't like to call this a sustainable business, um, or that it falls under sustainable fashion because I have a hard time with that word. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think anything that we produce is really sustainable. Like I think the original definition of sustainability was like <laughs> however many trees are in the forest, we leave that many, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very, very long time ago, but like I don't think that it'll ever get to a place where it's the same as before we produce things. 
So I think we can just do the best we can to cut down our carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and like some studies I've read between like resell or like the sharing economy or um, kind of like upcycling things or just buying and throwing it away. Um, the most sustainable option or kind of like the least impact option is actually just extending the life of whatever you have. So Mm -hmm. that's not something that I read a study and decide like, oh, that's going to be my value. But it's something that I've always has been in my heart. um, And I felt like that was kind of the right thing to do. So with clothes and with shoes and even with cell phones, like my personal values, I've always try to use them until it like the end of its life like I just cannot simply wear those shoes anymore they've got holes in them mm-hmm. gotta throw them away the same flowers. I can't stand to like throw things away you know yeah because because we're in the industry and we understand that it, it goes somewhere or even if you like give it away and you donate it it doesn't end up in someone else's hands right usually mm-hmm. it just ends up in a landfill anyway and the stats are really like it's really devastating and yeah. so that's not I'm, an option I'm for part me. of uh, fashion group international here in st louis and we're doing an event in october about kind of what happens to donated clothes after you donate them like at the warehouse of like the midwest's biggest textile recycling um company and so i'm super excited about that just to like really see behind the scenes like what happens to clothes when you when you donate them and how how much of it is recycled and how it's recycled and what what's done with it but no that's great i think there definitely needs to be more transparency and education about these kind of things like we grew up we all grew up thinking recycling was like the holy grail right Mm -hmm. and then recently you're like oh actually things don't really get recycled and yeah. <laughs> these clothing donation bins, they don't really go anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so longevity, yes. um, are there any other values that are kind of the guide rails for shortlisted? Yeah. Um, I think thoughtfulness in design, because it, it, that kind of ties in with longevity, like what mm-hmm. things are you going to put into your design or fabric choice that re- would really allow the clothing to last that long? And so things like, um, you know, if you have a really like white, white color shirt or a pair of pants, like, you know, you try to, most people avoid wearing those items because they're like, oh, it's just going to get dirty. Like I, mm-hmm. when, even when I try to resell things with tags on them, like a set of yoga clothes and they wouldn't take it. They're like, oh, this is like so cute. This is great but it's going to end up on the floor and it's going to get dirty. And so we can't take this. And it was like Mm. such a great set. Um, Something like that where I'm like, okay, well, if it's not going to end up being worn because of a color issue, then instead of like producing something in like a really bright light, maybe I'll choose something that's more like a beigey white, right? Things like that Mm -hmm. where um, you kind of design into the experience of how someone is going to wear something. And I think design is you know, the saying like design is 99% invisible. And so all the considerations Mm -hmm. and thoughts um, going into it, um, it comes out as a product, right? But to see the thought process is really hard. So even how clothes are on the, you know, off the rack on the market these days, right? It's 
designed with a certain height, certain proportions in mind, mm -hmm. and you don't get to see the team's process. You don't only get to see the product and you're like, okay, well, I don't fit it. So it must be my issue, but that's not really the case. So um, I want to be thoughtful about people's different shapes and sizes as well. I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to go about this or if I'm going to have different body types, like, you know, cause mm -hmm. not all short people are the same body type. You have ones that yeah. are more rectangular or you will have women who are really busty or they're just like really pear shaped and really hippie. Right. So mm -hmm. those things I want to take into consideration too. Um, so that's why the idea I have for the clothes is to have more like flexibility for styling, comfort and fit. Um, so like more elasticized waist um, or things that are not super tight, but not super oversized either. Like, so it's kind of like a nice, happy medium. I mean, mm -hmm. once I get to the pattern design phase, I'll probably run into issues. But for now, that's kind of the idea. And I definitely agree with all of everything you said about really understanding how the garment's going to be used and designing into that. And that this good design is kind of invisible where mm -hmm. like you don't, the, the best designs are where like I think the garment like fits in with your lifestyle, fits your body, like goes, like moves throughout your day with you where you don't really notice it, you know, like in, in that it's never holding you back. You're not having yes. to adjust it. You're <laughs> not having to think about, oh, I can't do this because I'm wearing a white shirt or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's able to kind of like move with you throughout your day in, in, in whatever aspect that is. So. Yes, no, that's, that's precisely it. And I forgot to mention that those were um, things that I want to design into the experience of wearing these clothes as well. So I don't mm -hmm. want the loose feeling of the constriction or, you know, when you look at your closet, you have like a full closet and you think like, oh, I don't feel like wearing any of them because of X, Y, Z issue. Like, oh, these, these are too tight. I only feel like it feel like wearing these clothes when I'm on my best days or these mm -hmm. clothes um I had to wear a special bra for it but like all mm -hmm. these other things that come yep. with clothes right so I don't want those to be issues I just want clothes to be like you know repeatable like you can wear them any day and you know no one's really gonna notice and say like oh you're wearing the same thing every day because people honestly don't really notice <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll wear my outfits multiple days in a row if I you know, haven't, haven't gotten them dirty or, you know, whatever, like actually dirty, dirty. Um, but yeah, and and all of that is kind of a big part of my process as well. Like when figuring out how to make something is, yeah, how is it going to be used? You know, who, what does that, you know, end consumer value, what does her life look like? Because it, yeah. it really does help, I agree. And in making the design decisions and construction decisions and fabric decisions and fit decisions and all of that. So that's really cool. Um, and I'll be curious to, you'll have to let me know how pattern making goes in. Um, I will. <laughs> once, once you start learning that of how to make things adjustable, because I will learn out about that kind of stuff all day too. So, <laughs> um, awesome. So I, I know on your Instagram, you also talk a lot about like body inclusivity and, you know, you mentioned it a little bit about, you know, not every short woman is the same body shape too. So could you talk a little bit more about that and what body inclusivity means to you and your brand? Um, I think for me, um, creating a niche brand and niche products, that's to me, that's already like filling 
at body inclusivity gap in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really tough when other people think body inclusivity, oh, it just automatically means plus size. Like that's mm-hmm. really not the case. Um, there's just so many different ways someone is proportioned differently from you and I, right? Some people could have longer legs, longer arms, mm-hmm. um, things that you might not even think about. Like I've done, I've met with 50 women and took their measurements. And so it's a oh, bit yeah. of like an R&D and everyone seems to have like slightly different um, mm-hmm. nuances here and there. And so I think the for me, the best way to approach this is to make things just like more elasticized and like flexible in that kind of fit and not so much like you know where there's 10 different ways or like there's so many different zippers and pockets and mm-hmm. like that's not really my thing but um yeah I just don't think that we've really diverted the conversation to really like all different kinds of bodies and and like I said earlier Plus, even plus size bodies, most of them are still very traditionally um, hourglass figured, right? So, we still yeah, have a way in, to in go. media and in marketing, yeah. So, kind of with um, going back to your background in the marketing side of things, how has you, you kind of we've kind of talked about how there were things in that background that you felt were missing and that's why you've kind of delved into the technical end of things but I also bet there's a lot of things from your background in other fashion roles that have really helped you in this journey so I'm curious what might some of those things be oh yeah I think working like working in fashion and like the wholesale side right and Mm -hmm seeing how things aren't glamorous like things I had to do like I had to help the production girl count buttons right and I had to be <laughs> oh, responsible that's, that's for that's a tedious job right like things like that where you don't really think about like oh we've got to match buttons and zippers like there's so many supply chain kind of things going on and you have to make sure that it fits for the right number of um like the right number of quantity that buyers have buy. So getting um, a taste of that, like, it's just been a good, um, how do you say, like, a framework to have in mind and mm-hmm. being exposed to different aspects where you don't really think about as fashion, like, shipping was a big thing. I remember mm-hmm. thinking, I'm doing marketing, why am I, why are you making me do shipping, right? But, um, you know, I actually sent a wrong package to a customer, like, I kind of swapped the boxes and that's really mm-hmm. not cool because back in the day, like everyone was very um, um, private about who their stockists were. Mm-hmm. And I think still to this day, like some people are very like, oh, we want exclusivity for certain brands. So um, things like that where it gives you a broader picture of what's going on in the industry. And um, I think working in retail management was interesting too because you really get to see the customer because when you're in the office you're in the back end you just kind of like make things what you think people want right but mm-hmm. when you are on the sales floor and you're seeing customers and kind of hearing their experiences um what they like what they don't like and getting the chance to relay that back to head office um that was very interesting as well because you really start to 
think about the business side of things and um, people and like buying behaviors, which I'm like super interested in. Yeah, um, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And like people will like, you know, if it's one on one and it's not like, uh, uh, what do you call it? like those like focus groups and you have to like answer a bunch of questions but I want people will be pretty honest in um fitting rooms and it's like that was kind of like a low level job like you know no one wants to be in retail no one wants to be in retail management but it was very eye-opening to have that like first-hand experience with customers and I actually really do love being in fitting rooms still if I go in the store I'm helping out a friend where my husband like I just naturally like pick up that rhythm again I'm like oh try this on try that on so yeah mm -hmm. so that was a kind of interesting point in my life as well cool yeah so many so many fun things and that definitely are helpful um I think too you know even have you found that having been in different roles and kind of seeing the back end of how the business side and um sales and marketing and now garment construction goes that you're like more empathetic to the other people who work in those roles and how like the whole supply chain fits together yeah no definitely I think empathy is a big thing like I think it's important that we have a broad perspective of and like you know see the interconnectedness of the mm -hmm. whole system and not just in fashion but just like whatever job that you have right that's always the approach that I've taken like I'll try to talk to um, people in in production and you know the salespeople and people in R&D um, for whatever roles that I've had and so yeah it's really good to have the empathy because like you know learning the sewing right you kind of understand the constraints you understand what the pain points are mm -hmm. and so you kind of know where to push where not to push um, so that's very important to me um, and then what was the second part of your question I think that was just it. Like, have okay. you noticed that? <laughs> yeah, have you noticed that? Like, seeing all that helps you understand how the whole supply chain fits together and be empathetic towards all those people working in within each area. Oh yeah, I was about the supply chain. Well, I I don't think I have like a great understanding of the supply chain that will kind of hit me once I order fabrics and notions and you know zippers and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that, um, but you know, seeing how the pandemic has affected like every single business and like prices have gone up you, you at least mm -hmm. you get a sense of how interconnected the whole world is yeah it's like it has its upsides and its downsides yeah. of how connected yeah. everything is <laughs> so um what has been the biggest challenge would you say so far in this whole journey of starting the shortlisted i think the biggest challenge is making decisions it's great to like dream about a brand and like come up with a million different sketches and go on Pinterest and scroll for hours and seeing all the potential there is that this thing that you want to give birth to in the world like that it could look like and that could be and the meaning that it could have to people. But I really think the hard part is like narrowing down, focusing like who your customer is. And that's something that I've you know struggled with for a long time like who is this customer and then so I've kind of like narrowed it down um but then it's like well if you want to talk about inclusivity and body inclusivity how are you going to do that are you going to do plus size are you going to do curvy um you know are you going to have a mm -hmm. lot of color options and then you think about sustainability like 
do you want to produce a lot of different colors and have stock or do you want the price point like more affordable for customers and more attainable accessible at least right Mm -hmm. or do you really want to keep it like you know custom right like made to order Um, so there are so many decisions like going like thinking about a business um, and to make it all make sense um, to have like one view of it is sometimes very hard Um, so I think that's something that has always been difficult for me and probably most business owners go through because you're making like big decisions and little decisions and everything in between all the time yeah it's the upside and the downside I I feel you there it's like it's great to be able to kind of be in control of being able to make decisions that you think are really best for you and your customers and your business but then that also means that everything that happens, you're responsible for it too. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, the opportunity cost of things or the actual cost of things. And yeah, just making those decisions of like, what is the most important right now? Yeah. Which it can be really fun, but it's also daunting because it's all on you. Um, even more reason to have clothes that support you in that where you don't have to like (laughs) spend all your mental energy picking out your clothes and and fighting with them all day right yes exactly (laughs) Um, um, something though that I found like talking about the decision making and stuff as a business is being clear about what the goal is is so helpful though and it sounds like you really have a clear picture of the problem you're trying to solve and the customer that you're you're solving that problem for so i think that'll be really helpful um hopefully it will be really helpful for you in terms of like that kind of a a um what am i trying to say i'm missing the word can't think of the word but pretty much like it's it's you can test every decision against that of like is this going to help that customer Mm. and solve that problem and if it doesn't, then it's it's easier to say no to because there are so many things where it's like, oh, that could be really cool, but is it really helping? Oh, yeah. Like the mission or the end, yeah. like your goal for what you want the business to be and what you want your lifestyle to be and what the life that you're trying to give to your customer too. Well, I'm glad I come off as sounded like I have a clear idea. <laughs> I think like when you're working on a business by yourself um sometimes like thoughts just kind of ruminate in your head and you're like oh Mm -hmm. this is you know (laughs) not getting anywhere with this (laughs) yeah yeah well I mean it does take mulling over sometimes too so it's and it's always I think clearer to see from the outside than when you're so close to it on the inside like yeah you're you're stuck in your own echo chamber like looking on the inside of the bottle and everyone else is like but the label on the outside is so clear you know (laughs) um but yeah it definitely is a challenge too well it's good to get that feedback thank you yeah um so on the flip side what are you most proud of so far in this journey um also with decision making um I think just to put my foot down say that I'm gonna do this because it was something that I've had in the back of my mind for so many years and to actually take the steps towards making this come true and Mm -hmm. I think that's the 
the biggest thing I'm proud of. And, you know, also t- um, making the choice to learn the product from the ground up. That mm-hmm. was a big thing for me t- that really like opened up my eyes and honestly have so much more empathy for other businesses, like the clothes out there in the marketplace. And, you know, like when I look at clothes, when I go to the store and like see clothes and go shopping, I don't like, I used to see like, oh, this is so expensive. Why didn't they do it this way? And it doesn't fit me like that way. They should have done this. Like all it was was criticisms, right? And that wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm like, oh, you know what? Like these brands have at this price point. I used to think it was like an insanely high price point, but I kind of get it now. Like I understand how yeah, it expensive takes fabric is things, yeah. and it takes time and it takes a lot of people in between. And like, you know, for a design to have so many different pattern pieces, it, you know, Lululemon doesn't just like knock these out like nothing. Like they've been in business for over 20 years and they've had so mm-hmm. many people like it. They really like hone their craft right and so Mm -hmm. I just have so much more love for the product now yeah and you you should totally be proud of that the decision to just go ahead and do it because that can be kind of the biggest decision of entrepreneurship sometimes too (laughs) yep (laughs) um and yeah that that side benefit of being able to appreciate clothes in general more now is is really cool so congrats on that thanks so I have one last question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you make or design, what would it be? So I don't know if this is a value and I'm actually going to steal this from um, a guest on the Tim Ferriss podcast. It kind of just stuck with me. Um, so the idea that I would want to put out in the world is for women in particular, um, believe in yourself and then act like it. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's enough for brands or for celebrities to say like, rah, rah, we empower you because the power really isn't like yours to give. Um, it's really mm-hmm. up to the person to decide. And I feel like, especially with, you know, we have challenges in the world as shorter women that there is so much out there for us to go and grab and like, you know, or, or not like <laughs> depending, like you might not want to do any of this and that's power to you as well. Right. But to really like live the life that you want and then believe in yourself and then, you know, like act like it, act confident, act powerful, act sexy, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, that the power is in you and you just got to like really hone in on it like the actions speak louder than just the words you're telling yourself or other people. Yes, that's right. Awesome. Well, this has been such a great conversation, Miranda. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Where can people find out more about you and follow Shortlisted online? Um, So I send out newsletters every so often about my progress and where I am. So that's at theshortlisted.co. And on Instagram, especially on stories, I update you with all the trials and tribulations and all my successes and all the moments I'm proud of. Um, and my Instagram handle is uh, shortlistedco, so shortlistedco. So you can find me on those two channels. Wonderful. I'll include links to those in the show notes. And again, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much, Allison. It was such a great conversation. Loved it. 
That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.